The Courtship of Hector MacLean by William Allen Read for LibriVox.org by Philip Gould Part One. The night clouds are falling, the curlew is calling, Maid of Dunnelly, I come unto thee. The grey mists are sleeping on Cruachan Ben, The red deer are keeping their watch in the glen. Light of my darkness, come, come unto me. Come, gentle spirit, we part, and forever. Come, my lone star, see, my skiff's in the bay. Sunbeam of morning, alas, we must sever. Maid of Dunnelly, we part, and for a. The past I shall cherish, my love cannot perish. Maid of Dunnelly, oh, why did we love? The wrath of thy father is winter's cold breath. Around me fast gather weird visions of death. Soul of my dreamings, thy home is above. Come, drooping floweret, I've dared thy brave kinsman. Come, lonely dove, to thy warrior true. Shadow of heaven and pride of thy clansmen, My heart goes to thee in my lingering adieu. Ere died the echoes of the lay, An oar-song swept across the bay. Ere turned the youth his skiff to reach, Swift footsteps ran along the beach. Before him came MacDougall's dread, Returning from an island raid. Behind him came MacDougall's wild, Aroused to guard their chieftain's child. Their startling yells of rage were flung, And back from grey Dunley rung, The oarsmen heard the well-known cry, And fiercer far pealed their reply. Their stalwart arms out sternward went, Their lithe backs forward lowly bent, To simultaneous motion prone, Their oars arose and fell as one. Impelled with danger's vigor new, Swift o'er the bay each galley flew Like arrows shot from full-drawn bows. On sped the billow-cleaving prows, Till driven on the shingle nigh, The oaken keels arose on high. With sudden bound unto the shore, Each clansman leapt with drawn claymore. Bare-armed, unbonneted, They ran to join the members of their clan, Ranged round a stalwart youth Who stood bold-fronted mid the savage brood. At every point the thirsty brands around him flashed in angry hands with eagle eye, and undismayed the stranger drew his trusty blade, and tighter grasped his studded shield, and firmer stood upon the field as watchful as a wolf at bay. His lightning eye mid them survey, nor quailed, nor flinched, though well he saw the gathering horde still closer draw. No coward heart within him beat, nor sought he safety in retreat. Unequal though the contest seemed, defiance on his features gleamed. One hurried glance he flung above, where dwelt the maiden of his love. A pale face from a window peered, a sigh upon the wind careered, a whisper trembled in the air as if an angel breathed a prayer. Undaunted all and scorning death, he faced his foes and held his breath with back against King Fingal's rock. He boldly met their onset shock and flung his haughty looks of scorn upon MacDougall, chief of Lorne. Part Two, O oh, Isles of the West, lovely Isles of the West, as emeralds set in the blue ocean's breast, the birthplace of clansmen war-nurtured and brave, the home where the tempest king rides on the wave, where thunders roll on in their terrible might, and keen lightnings dance on each peak with delight, where morning's dawn raids o'er the mountain crests run, And gloaming descends as a sigh from the sun, Where pale ghosts career on the mist-shrouded hills, And heard are their wails and the songs of the rills, Where beauty is shrined in each lone grassy vale, And we flowerets laugh to the voice of the gale. 
where unfettered peace as a heaven presides and nature's sweet loveliness ever abides where maidens and youths round their dim cottage fires exultingly tell of the deeds of their sires or sing with emotion the grand battle lays of heroes who fought in the far-away days for king and for chieftain for honor and love for aught that would valor or dignity prove o isles of the west ever bosomed in song my highland harp whispers the sound i'll prolong speak on my dear harp list it trembles again its theme the macdougall and dauntless maclean the sun-rays had fled from the mountains of lorn and kissed the cloud-peaks looming jagged and riven that westward were trailing as wanderers forlorn upon the broad heaths of the night-tinted heaven peace clothed the green valleys the hills and the isles the strange sounds of silence seemed wondrously clear unbroken save when with his chase-laden spoils arose the loud shout of a brave mountaineer which woke the weird echoes of quarry and cave and startled the lord of the clouds in his dreams who raised his proud head and defiantly gave his fierce challenge back in his shrill-sounding screams the distant bell-notes slowly rung from lismore and fluttered with joy o'er the fast-ebbing tide which bore them with love unto morven's far shore where midst its blue mountains they whispered and died sweet o'er the dark waters the vesper hymn stole in cadences kissed by the gloaming soft breath monks poured their orisons with joy-dwelling soul and hied to their cells in the fullness of faith who knelt with the abbot who joined in his prayer whose voice in devotion fell soft as a sigh macdougall's fair daughter was worshipping there macdougall's fair daughter was heard in reply why lingered she thus as the sun rays depart dunley was far and the dark sea her path what wrecked she she bore in her bosom a heart that feared not the swift rushing tide in its wrath a child of the forest a child of the chase accustomed to danger to hardship inured descended from chiefs of a warrior race whose titles and acres were held by the sword the blood of the valiant flowed pure in her veins she loved to behold the brave clansmen in arms the bright flashing steel and the pibroch's wild strains gave light to her dark eyes and grace to her charms though nurtured mid war's stirring clangor and din her heart was a woman's in all which endears the fountain of tenderness welling within for children had smiles for the dying had tears her dark flowing locks hung unfettered and free and waved in the wind as a banner love-driven her brow gently kissed by the sun in his glee reflected the beauty of summer-fraught heaven her eyebrows as fringes of darkness arose in soft glossy silkiness fading to naught while neath their love-shadows in tender repose her dreamy eyes rippled in soul-light of thought which brightly illumined her features and lent ineffable witchery to the sweet smiles oft throned on her lips with a gracefulness meant to beautify nature's pure innocent wiles in symmetry faultless in tartan arrayed she moved as a sylph in her artless attire when heard were the songs of dunley's fair maid the clansmen wept great tears of grief joy or ire the gray-headed abbot stalked down to the shore and blessed the young maiden and bade her adieu she launched her light skiff waved her hand seized the oar then off with the tide for dunley she flew part three away and away with the speed of the wind each headland each creek and each cranny she knew 
Lismore's verdant island was left far behind, and distant Dunnelly loomed darkly in view. The tide rush of Etive she battled with might. Twas vain, to the westward she swiftly was hurled. Strong eddies wild sweeping hissed hoarse with delight, as oft her frail skiff in their vortex was whirled. Undaunted and tireless she pulled at the oars, undaunted and fearless the breaker's deep song she heard, mid Carrera's wild treacherous shores. But watchful and wary she darted along. She saw with dismay that Dunley she passed, she saw its dark tower swiftly gliding astern, as gloaming gave place to night's darkness at last. The landmarks erst known she could dimly discern, the lone herald star of the evening appeared in pale silvern modesty's beauty serene, while down in the east o'er the cloud edges peered the halo that ushered night's full-beaming queen. Then leapt every star from its holy repose as chorister sweet in the heavens above, their bright joyous anthems of glory arose in soft trembling beauty, in homage of love. On, on and still on to the westward she sped, and cold dawning fear tilled her bosom with awe, that awe which unnerves us and fills us with dread and makes us poor slaves to its pitiless law. The night mist descended from lofty Ben Moor and rolled as a cloud on the breast of the deep. Weird sounds rose anon, now behind, now before, and floating seagulls wildly screamed in their sleep. The conflict of currents hissed loud to the skies and heightened the waves that in anger arose around her frail skiff, their wan, death-gleaming eyes oft peered at the maiden and laughed at her woes. The terror of death filled her soul with despair. She trembled and wept as a motherless child. She gazed to the heavens. She shrieked a heart-prayer in accents of agony fearfully wild. Hark! Hark! O'er the deep came a sound. Could it be her prayer was answered, that succor was nigh? The harsh creak of oars on the mist-laden sea came nearer, came clearer, and filled her with joy. A voice from the darkness was heard. She replied. The moment seemed hours that would ne'er have an end. She marked through the mist of a boat's faint shadow glide, and heard the hallo of a fast-nearing friend. Invisible hands flung unerring a rope, its swift-gliding folds seemed the answer she craved. Twas clutched with the frenzy of fast-dying hope, and consciousness fled as the maiden was saved. MacDougall's grim chieftain was restless this night. He stood on his ramparts, he watched, and he mourned. His henchmen and clansmen with fleet-footed might had sought her afar, but despairing returned. They sought her in chamber, they sought her in cot, they searched Etive shore, they scoured valley and heath, their slogan pealed far, but an answer came not, and filled was each breast with forebodings of death. MacDougall's grim chieftain stalked through his lone halls, despair's moody silence o'ershadowed his face. The voice of the night-wind in ominous calls seemed chanting a dirge for the doom of his race. He started, he wept, then he laughed, then he scowled, then sullenly motionless stood on the floor and quivered with terror, as dismally howled the staghound that kept his night-watch at the door. Mysterious footsteps he heard as they moved, strange beings appeared but to vanish again. Ah, little he knew that the daughter he loved was safe in the halls of his foe, the MacLean. Part 4 
There was a time, a long, long time ago, when Dewart's halls resounded to the flow of minstrel harmony, of dance and song, of mirth and glee from clansmen old and young, when Dewart's chief could muster at his word a thousand doughty champions of the sword, a thousand plaited men whose only faith was, love the chief and fear no foe or death. No other aspirations filled them then, save to be reckoned as heroic men. Their hearts were fraught with burning warlike zeal, their frames were iron and their sinews steel. On simple fare as hardy men they grew, nor luxury's effeminacy knew, their cots and fields were theirs, rude comfort reigned. They felt not want and healthful years maintained. They loved their chief for honor and for name, and freely shed their blood to guard his fame. The chief loved them with patriarchal care, knew all their sorrows, heard each plaint or prayer. And as a father mid his children dear, he lived beloved and honored without fear. Untainted thus, with no ambition's pride, in nature's happiness they lived and died. See Dewart now, its shapeless ruins gloom in the sad grandeur of a shivered tomb. Time's silent chisels have fell havoc spread, a wreck is here, cold, desolate, and dead. The moaning sea around the headland sweeps, and o'er the rocks in fretful surges leaps, or wanders mournfully around the bay, where off the black-proud oaken galleys lay. The eerie wind within the ruin raves, and shrilly whistles o'er the warrior's graves. The grass is bent neath the uncertain blast, as nature's mourners for a glorious past. No sound is heard, no wandering footsteps seen. Decay's weird silence lords it o'er the scene. The night bats dart from out the chinky walls, and ghostly owlets own the roofless halls. The gloomy spirits of a valiant race seem stalking ever round the lonely place, or neath the full moon's wan unearthly light seem mustering us of yore for raid or fight, unto the mournful pibroch of the wind that dies and leaves a deeper hush behind. Twas here the Hector of my tale drew his first breath and poured his infant wail. Here his young lips drew with a lover's zest his future valor from his mother's breast. Here his young eyes beheld with fond delight the shining, steely panoply of fight. His chubby hands oft vigorously essayed to lift with shouts the old paternal blade. A dirk and shield were his infantile toys, their rattling din the source of childish joys. The ancient dame, endowed with second sight, foretold his future as a chief of might. The hoary bards would on him wondering gaze, and crooned to him their stirring battle lays. The smiling clansmen would with loving scan applaud the annex that bespoke the man, and gathering round their fair-haired future lord, they taught him early how to wield a sword, and bend a bow with steady hand and eye, until the shafts would all unerring fly. To scale the rugged heights, devoid of fear, and track with wary steps the watchful deer, to pull an oar, or tend a shortened sail, when burst the fury of a sudden gale. Beneath tuition such as this he grew, skilled in the various arts that clansmen knew, till daring Hector stood unmatched at length for feats of arms, agility, and strength. The wolf that roamed the shores of Galadu he tracked unto his lair and singly slew. He fought the eagle on the giddy crest, and conquering bore the eaglets from their nest. The prowling foe on sudden, nightly raid, was vanquished off beneath his foremost blade, in skirmishes upon the mainland shore, 
his skilful prowess oft the victory bore his doughty deeds were whispered far and wide and bards and maidens sang of them with pride till mid the isles his warlike name was spread and foemen feared the men by hector led proud was the father of his chief-like boy the gentle mother's only hope and joy his well-knit frame of perfect manly mould at once the leader and the warrior told a calm determination lit his face and gave his mien an all-commanding grace in judgment cool in wary caution skilled his looks and gestures confidence instilled his eye in peace beamed with a kindly glow but fiercely flashed when told a tale of woe the heart that beat within his tartan breast was swift to help the weak or the oppressed untouched as yet by love's absorbing flame it felt not aught save the parental claim as mid his clansmen's homes he freely roved the maidens gazed and as they gazed they loved thus hector lived and spent his youthful years a lordly prince among his mountaineers by all who knew him loved adored revered by every foeman in encounter feared not so his hereditary foe MacDougall's chief who longed his hate to show incensed to hear of hector's rising fame his breast was filled with jealousy and shame long in the west as lorne's unconquered lord he awed the chieftains by his cruel sword in raid or foray or in deeds of blood his wild and lawless clan the foremost stood nor could he brook to know some chiefs had sued alliance with the clan he had subdued to guard his power which seemed upon the wane his dark heart planned a conflict with MacLean. part five the full-browed moon leapt from her shrouds leaving behind the darkening clouds and flung o'er mountains hills and braes the softening splendor of her rays o'er cruachan ben they nimbly crept on dark loch awe they gently slept and westward far she sent her smiles till silver bathed appeared the isles the moon was up then wide and far arose MacDougall's cry of war from etive's shore from sweet banal to kill Ninver and grey kintrow it wildly pealed on avich's side dalmali and kilchurn replied and gloomy brander's echoes run as speedy clansmen rushed along through tangled brake or stretching heath and poured their startling cry of death which summoned from each distant cot the clansmen to the mustering spot ere reached the moon her half-way mark from mountain-side from gorges dark from heath from hill from every glen rushed forth full-armed stout plaided men whose distant forms were oft revealed as flashed the moonbeams on each shield obedient to the call they flew nor aught of toil or fear they knew as singly some careened along they lowly hummed a battle-song the distance lessening neath the lay which cheered them on their lonely way till on dunley's tower they gazed upon whose northern walls still blazed the beacons fitful lurid light betokening danger foes or fight around the walls were gathered then two hundred of MacDougall's men wild unkempt shaggy warriors grim broad-chested strong in arm and limb from youth to ceaseless warfare trained a terror far their names remained before their chief in armed array the horde stood ready for the fray swift to the galley swift he cried we must away ere falls the tide ten oaken broad-beamed galleys lay rocked with the tide in oban's bay 
now from their moorings soon they danced as oars upon the waters glanced and neath their chieftain's eye and word the clansmen nimbly sprang on board four brawny arms seized every oar and soon the fast receding shore was left behind and fainter grew as past carrera's isle they flew MacDougall led the course was west in whispers low his clansmen guessed that ere the morning sun arose their swords would smite some island foes as huntsmen steal with caution near the browsing unsuspecting deer as wildcats crouch and trailing creep before they make their deadly leap as eagles circle in the sky ere on their prey they downward fly so stealthily the waters o'er MacDougall neared the hazy shore where Duart's keep hushed in repose in frowning grandeur looming rose calm standing on his galley's prow with anxious glass and cloudy brow the chieftain led the dubious way and sought the sheltered western bay whose shelving shore gave footing meet for landing or for safe retreat though steering in the hazy band which hugged the confines of the land he cleared the rocks that girt the shores and duart passed with muffled oars ah what he not the warder there skilled in the night sounds of the air had heard with ready well-trained ear or echo softly stealing near which all too measured faint and slow betokened some advancing foe quick from the ramparts quick he sped and roused young hector from his bed up hector up a foe is near their galleys neath the walls appear arm arm they seek the bay their coming brooks of no delay up from his couch bold hector leapt and o'er his startled countenance crept a smile of joy which seemed to show his readiness to meet the foe wake malcolm our retainers all who slumber in the banquet hall then speed thee on ere dawns the day to Auchincross and torresay away away rouse every man who owes allegiance to our clan with lightning footsteps tireless go we must and shall repel this foe devoid of bonnet hose or plaid he snatched his shield and glittering blade with eye that flashed red battle-fire and step that told of rising ire with lips compressed till void of blood he sought the hall where ready stood scarce thirty stalwart clansmen leal whose hearts and arms were like their steel no sound no word men follow me a foe comes on us from the sea the lark pipes now its morning strains come on it rouses the Maclean's. part six the morn was calm bright in the east afar as a lone sentinel the morning star glimmered its welcomes in the deep-hued blue as o'er the high bank clouds the monarch threw his sceptre gleams of living glowing gold which vanquished night and space illuming rolled in all the grandeur of a conqueror's might whose path is victory whose throne is light the sullen shadows fled from mountain crests and scowling sought the gorges in their breasts their lingering footsteps in the trailing mist the airy smiles of light with fondness kissed till grandly lone with broad uncovered brows as hoary worshippers each mountain rose the wonder chorus of each stream was heard and joyous trillings rose from every bird adown each glen the messengers of dawn danced merrily o'er forest heath and lawn swift o'er the heaving bosom of the sea they lightly flew with love-inspiring glee and kissed the pale lips of the wavelets cold till gleamed their foam-flowers with the hues of gold they wooed the haze that wrapped the slumbering isles which gently rose beneath their chastening wiles but ere it faded from the shores away the sounds of battle burst in duart's bay 
MacDougall led the van, and well had steered into the bay, where on each side appeared brown, sea-washed rocks, whose unseen stretching arms broke the wild fury of the northern storms. Thus guarded from the ocean's wildest rage, it gave a safe and sheltered anchorage. His ready henchman with inverted spear probed the still depths and found the shore was near. Then passed a whispered signal to each crew, to right and left the boats in order drew. With silent skill the oars were placed on board, and every clansman seized his shield and sword. In line abreast the galleys forward went, as from the stern they shoreward swift were sent. No word was uttered, and arose no sound, save when the hard keels creaked upon the ground. The chieftain first leapt nimbly on the sand, then followed fast his fierce and warlike band. The shore was still, no foe their landing barred, no Hector stood his island home to guard. No clansman rushed impetuous to the attack, to drive with might the wild invaders back. Where? Where is Hector's deathful arm and blade? Where? Where the men he oft to victory led? Alas! Has valiant Hector's prowess waned? His foes unchallenged have a footing gained. Hark! Hark! Now pealed an agonizing yell, as in the sea MacDougall's henchman fell, pierced by an arrow that still quivering swayed within the wound its brazen point had made. Again! 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 With deadly aim the messengers of death loud whizzing came from daring men unseen amid the haze who crouched with Hector on the furzy braes, the feathered shafts from full-drawn bows were sprung, and mid the startled foes their challenge flung. Brave warriors fell and writhed upon the sands, and wildly drew the barb with dying hands. Yea, vainly strove in agony to stay the pulsing stream of life which ebbed away. And sodden sands the hot blood greedy drank, staining the spot wherein it bubbling sank. Full well MacDougall knew without dismay that Hector and his men around him lay. Oblivious to the thickening arrowy storm, his looks betrayed no fear nor dire alarm. His ringing voice its chief-like orders gave, which cheered the heart of each desponding brave. Down, down, men, down, until the fading haze flies from Maclean's safe ambush on the braes. Obedient all, they sank upon the shore, and o'er their heads their shields aloft they bore against whose sloping fronts the arrows rung and curving far into the ocean sprung then hector knew as clear that voice was born his foeman was macdougall chief of lorn undaunted undismayed yea rather glad to measure swords with one who oft-times had in other years with devastation dire ravaged the lands and clansmen of his sire outnumbered now no rash onslaught he tried his skilful tactics numbers well supplied the dread confusion of attack on flanks he early learned and on the grassy banks he placed his little but determined force in two divisions mid the sheltering gorse where leading steeply downward to the bay the rugged bouldered path between them lay which thus commanding with advantage great their foeman's charge they anxiously did wait nor waited long for as the sun arose the haze vanished and they saw their foes now as the dark tide-wave on Etive shores rears its high crest and forward rolling roars, or as a pin-up spate with mighty force rushes upon its broad resistless course, so rose MacDougall's men and forward dashed, and brightly in the sun their weapons flashed, swift-footed o'er the sands with yelling wrath, 
they sought the only upward-tending path. O'er rocks and stones disorderly they flew, and to the ridge in breathless hurry drew. MacDougall led them on, and upward pressed to reach the gap upon the grassy crest. Unswerving, unfatigued, he scaled the height and gazed around, but saw no foe to fight. When suddenly from out each shady bush the valiant Hector and his men did rush, and loud arose their startling battle yell as on the clamoring foe they fiercely fell, who staggering beheld the maddening grief, MacLean's between them and their warrior chief. Swords rung on swords, fire flashed from every blow, blood rushed in streams unto the sands below. Forward, and forward still MacDougall's rushed, the foremost fell to be by kinsmen crushed upon the quivering corpses of the slain. They fighting came and strove the ridge to gain, but as a compact phalanx stood their foes, who mercilessly showered their deadly blows which crashing clave each high-raised shining shield and smote the man beneath who downward reeled still on they came in wild despairing might unyielding stood the braves who held the height not all macdougall's warlike numbers now could backward drive the thirty from that brow who spoke not quailed not but resolved to give their dearest blood for liberty to live part seven MacDougall's chieftain breast with anger burned, and swiftly on the foe he fiercely turned. But ere he could his sudden stroke bestow, a readier sword met the descending blow. Twas nimble Hector's, on whose features played a smile of triumph as he quickly weighed the issues of a fight with Lorne's dread lord, who now had raised his yet untarnished sword. And backward drew a pace, then scowling glared upon the half-clad youth who thus had dared to thwart his onset and to turn aside the blade which had the royal Bruce defied. With sudden bound he on the stripling dashed, whose quicker weapon like a sunbeam flashed, and kissed with joy MacDougall's baffled steel, which now for once an equal match did feel. His groaning clansman roused his ireful heart, again on Hector did he fiercely dart to be repelled with skilful blow or guard, and backward hurled upon the dewy sword. Ill could he brook defiance thus disclosed, and with the youth in deadly conflict closed, now wrung their blows upon each guardian shield, and rugged dents their angry might revealed. With equal skill the contest wildly raged, each knew a worthy foe he had engaged, though round them played the steely gleams of death. They thrust and struck with unabated breath, each lightning eye was fixed, each sparkling gleamed, each marked the point where an advantage seemed and as each willing blade the opening sought, the sudden guard made sudden efforts naught, and victory wavering tween such sons of fame withheld the laurels that each well could claim, till youthful Hector's unabated strength proclaimed him victor in the fight at length. For fast MacDougall's furious ire decayed, and feeble blows his waning powers betrayed. Pale grew his face, his watchful eyes grew dim, less swift to guard he shook in every limb. Fast heaved his breast with ever-lessening breath, and as he struck he reeled upon the heath. Defeat's dark demon raged within him now. Its withering shade sat scowling on his brow, and fanned the feeble flame of hope in vain, which mocked the hero as his strength did wane. But Hector tireless still the conflict sought, and by a subtle cut MacDougall smote upon the sword-arm, which all powerless hung. Then fell the blade which he in valor swung 
Triumphant o'er his foe young Hector stood, nor sought he now to shed defenseless blood. Yield thee, MacDougall, yield, he hoarsely cried. And who art thou, bold youth, the chief replied? Hector MacLean of an illustrious line. Yield thee, MacDougall, now thy life is mine. Behold thy clansmen unto thee succumb to foil aggression, see our kinsmen come. Back to their galleys now thy men will be, driven with the vengeance born of victory. Now rushed MacLean's along the grassy fields, and loudly struck their swords upon their shields. With wild impetuosity they sought the ridge whereon their dauntless kinsmen fought, nor checked their speed but through the thin rank dashed, and on the foe with headlong fury crashed, who baffled, fled across the sands, and sought safety on board their galley still afloat. Out from the bay with terror speed they drew, while in their midst thick showers of arrows flew. Eastward they sped with favoring tide and wind, and left their wounded and their chief behind. Who midst a throng of savage islemen stood unmoved, although they clamored for his blood. Now Hector spoke, and hushed was every voice. Clansmen, MacDougall's fate must be my choice. No deed of wanton blood shall stain our name. Unsullied victory is our highest fame, whoe'er the foe, whate'er the battle cause. We triumph best when ruled by honor's laws. MacDougall's chief, thy life I now bestow. Back to Dunley vanquished thou must go. Be thou the bearer of thy wounded men, and war no more unjustly gainst MacLean. The generous impulse stilled the angry band who loved the virtue in their chief's command. With tender grasp the dying and the dead within the galley of the chief were laid. The wounded next fraternal care received, such love from foes their hearts had ne'er conceived. Now ready all between the conquering clan MacDougall marched, a stern and gloomy man. And as he frowning slowly stepped on board, Hector, with princely grace, returned his sword. The proffered gift with haughty grasp he took, and thanked the donor with a threatening look. Then, as the blood-fraught galley seaward drew, he kissed the blade and waved its dark adieu. Undying hatred and revenge combined stood warders at the portals of his mind and filled his heart with their demoniac fire, till the strange madness of their one desire reigned as the lord of his embittered life and chained him slaved unto its fearful strife. The visions of his hate-disturbed brain were bloody, spectres muttering, MacLean! In horror's dreams he saw a ghastly train which, passing, whispered in his ear, MacLean. Lone on Dunley's ramparts every day, his restless eyes were fixed on Duart's bay. No light of joy illumined his vengeful state. His life was now unfathomable hate. His lovely daughter's smiles had lost their charm, her soothing voice no more his heart could warm. Her constant fondnesses, her tears, her sighs, changed not the fierce gleam of his loveless eyes. MacDougall dreamt not that ere long her love would of his conqueror the conqueror prove. Decreed by heaven to meet her father's foe, they loved, was death, their death her father's woe. Part Eight. Bewitching mild-eyed nature bright awoke when her misty veil of night had left her vernal bosom bare, and vanished in the sun-souled air. The lark had risen from its nest, the deer had sought the mountain crest, the sea had lost its nightly hue, the flowers had parted from their dew. 
the streamlets poured their wanton lays the lambkins frisked upon the braes the hinds had yoked their oaken ploughs the rosy maids had milked the cows the clouds in smiling beauty high sailed o'er the blue deeps of the sky when from her sudden slumber yoke MacDougall's dark-haired daughter woke and gazed around the chamber strange while memory with contracted rage from dreamy retrospection sought the flickering truths of dawning thought which ushered in with stern delight the horrors of the former night the door was oped and forward came a stately gentle-featured dame whose mother looks and smiles and voice were such as made the heart rejoice the wondering maid she fond caressed and clasped her to her joyous breast she kissed her cheek and kissed her brow and welcomed her awakening now daughter of warriors she said i joy to find my care repaid dunley's maid half rising sighed and strove the welling tears to hide her eyes beamed through her love's surfeit her voice was tremulously sweet tell me good mother tell me true to whom my life and thanks are due where am i now whose home is this where dwells such christian tenderness child of the waves calm the unrest which lingers in thy anxious breast within our bosoms kindness reigns know we are friends although maclean's my hector was by heaven decreed to save thee in thy hour of need start not no harm to thee shall come our clansmen shall convey thee home unto dunley's warrior lord his daughter shall be safe restored the tearful maiden warmly kissed the chieftain mother whom she blessed then from her couch she lightly rose at peace though in the halls of those gainst whom her father erstwhile fought on whom his wild revenge was sought the morn's repast was quickly spread and by the chieftain's lady led the blushing maiden entered then the hall where sat the chief maclean who rose and gave with kindly smiles a lordly welcome to the isles his hair touched by time's silvern spell adown his shoulders streaming fell of kindred hue his flowing beard in snowy furrowed waves appeared and gave a charm unto his face which glowed with patriarchal grace his eyes beamed with the sole repose which years of happiness disclose his broad brow showed in sundry scars the valor emblems of his wars his countenance was calm benign his smile was fatherly divine of stalwart mien unbowed by years his voice dispelled the maiden's fears and as she heard his gentle tones she gazed with reverence upon the hoary chief the island lord who welcomed her unto his board ere seated round the table all young hector strode into the hall one hurried bow he gave the maid whose simultaneous glance betrayed the strange confusion unexpressed which bodes a maiden's feelings best as on her saviour she gazed love's tumult in her bosom blazed her meed of thanks refused to come her eyes spoke now her lips were dumb she heard of hector as of one bloodthirsty cruel scarce a man who drove her father from the shore in battle nigh two months before her father's ire she deemed unjust she saw in hector one to trust as hector gazed upon the maid his heart from everything was swayed his morning meal before him lay untouched save in a listless way a feast of fire o'erfilled him now he knew not why he felt not how with truthful eye the chief divined the thoughts which racked the maiden's mind and ere the simple meal was o'er he sent his henchman to the shore to launch his boat 
to bend the sail, to spread his banner to the gale. Sweet maid of Lorne, thou must away, though welcome here thou must not stay. Thy father's grief none can reveal, thou canst alone his anguish heal. Hector shall steer thee o'er the sea, and thy deliverer shall be. Farewell, sweet maid, our prayers are thine, may future joys around thee shine. Part 9 Right well MacLean had read her heart, the maid was anxious to depart. Her earnest gratitude of soul o'erpowering rushed beyond control, she sobbing bade them all adieu, and from the castle slowly drew, young Hector lightsome led the way, wherein the cove the galley lay. Then, as a gallant courtier lord, he placed the weeping maid on board, with skilful hands he plied the oars, and shot beyond the sheltering shores. Then hoisted up the broad brown sail, which filled unto the gentle gale, with favoring tide and favoring wind, Grey Duart soon was left behind. Right merrily the boat sped on, and now they felt they were alone. They spoke, neath Hector's voice the maid the hidden mystery obeyed. Her world erst fair seemed fairer now. Her eyes beheld life's heaven below, and yielding to the conqueror's sway, they pledged eternal love that day. There is a music in the sea, an everlasting melody, an earnest chant of throbbing love, an echo of God's voice above, which gives unto our hearts the peace that bids our mutual loves increase. The little dancing waves rejoice to hear a maiden's love-fraught voice. They leap with frenzied mirth and glee as fall her vows of constancy, and fain their foamy crests would bless affection's sacred, primal kiss. They sang with joy when Hector brave his heart unto the maiden gave. They leapt with smiles on every crest to hear the maiden's vow expressed. With hand in hand, eye fixed on eye, the lovers kissed, and seemed to die neath the enraptured bliss divine, which springs when love's great fountains join. They neared Carrera's rocky shore and round its northern headland bore, swift for Dunnelly's curving bay, the galley bounded on its way. They saw upon the glistening sand one solitary warrior stand, who marked MacLean's dread banner fly upon the nodding mast on high. A whistle loud and shrill he blew, then from the cliffs MacDougall's flew, but ere they bent a single bow he spied his daughter on the prow. His hatred wilder, fiercer rose to mark her mid his deadly foes. Ere slid the galley on the sand, Hector beheld the threatening band. Then lowered his sail, and seized the oar, and slowly neared the dreaded shore. One word of love he gave the maid, whose gestures all their vengeance stayed. One look of hope beamed in her eye, which seemed to say, I all defy. Impatient now his child to free, the chieftain rushed into the sea. Before the keel had touched the sand, he grasped again his daughter's hand. Then in his frenzied powerful arm he bore ashore her lovely form. Hector he saw and darkly flung a scowl of hate from vengeance wrung. Bold, standing with an oar in hand before MacDougall's gathering band, he forced the unwilling boat astern, and sadly could the maid discern amid the throng of clansmen wild with joy at finding thus their child. Remembering their hateful foe, they ceased their cries, and from each bow discharged a shower of darts which fell harmless into the ocean swell. Far o'er the sea on southern tack, Hector, with wistful eye, looked back. A ceaseless longing o'er him stole, a darkness settled on his soul. 
the brightness of the morn had fled and left him gloomy fears instead the dawn rise of love's cheering ray had vanished all too soon away the golden charm of hope's bright goal seemed fading from his saddened soul and as he neared his native shore one burning wish alone it bore MacLean received with joy his son as if a victory he had won but hector's heart was far away his doer's charms seemed to decay unrest's remorseless cruel band had made him now an altered man he sought the shores in darkest night and ne'er returned till morning's light they watched but none the paths could name or how he went or whence he came ah in his skiff he stole away across the sound to oban's bay where by king fingal's rugged stone macdougall's maid be met alone renewed their vows repledged their faith and kissed unswerving love till death part ten not all a daughter's love assuaged the hate which in macdougall's bosom burned elate not all her soft expostulation sweet could the dread demon of revenge defeat unmoved and coldly calm he heard her prayer for well he knew that hector was her care his trusty warder oft in midnight hour saw two mysterious forms beneath the tower and oft of late had heard the sound of oars receding in darkness from the shores to crush her love to overcome his foe his clansmen nightly watched the beach below and when they heard her hector's parting song they swiftly stole by secret paths along and rushed upon the youth whose ready blade gleamed but an instant and their onslaught stayed with sudden swoop and straight delivered thrust three warriors fell before him in the dust his light steel shield with cunning motion flashed and on its front their blows descending crashed forward and forward still they pressed combined struck but one blow and wounded reeled behind on every hand his sword appeared to see their covert cuts of dark ferocity and instantly his ready guard essayed to foil each stroke that fell and notched his blade around him lay in groaning helpless rows the prostrate forms of his remorseless foes some glared revenge some cursed with dying breath some strove to strike him in the throes of death some drew their dirks in anguish of despair upraised their arms and dying struck the air some tore in agony while life remained the clotted grass their own life-blood had stained unwounded all the youth unconquered stood starred with the red drops of his foeman's blood fired with the madness springing from defeat they blindly rushed and struck but to retreat then forward stood amid the stiffening slang MacDougall's chief who fiercely hissed MacLean. awed by their chief the clansmen ceased to fight and viewed the combat with intense delight revenge imbued his unaffected powers his blows descended on the youth in showers who stood unwavering and the onset foiled yea smote the chief who wounded back recoiled implacable and heedless of his wound he rushed on hector with a sudden bound whose sword hand swollen with conflict filled the hilt and now for once his weakening nature felt while raged the strife loud from the cliffs above a cry arose of agony and love the watching clansmen gazed in wild dismay down from each crag upon her headlong way MacDougall's daughter rushed with frantic cries as hector wounded fell no more to rise swift through the silent horde she madly fled oblivious to the dying and the dead 
and stooped o'er hector who with fitful breath smiled still his love and whispered low in death upon his dripping blade macdougall leant as o'er the youth his weeping daughter bent who kissed his blood-stained lips and wildly cried cursed is the blade that pierced my hector's side then strangely gazed around below above and falling died upon her only love MacDougall gazed, nor thought his daughter dead, till stooping, gently raised her lovely head. Her cold, pale face too truly told the tale. Then burst a father's deep, heart-rending wail. Her eyes were closed, and silent now her tongue. Bright on her pallid cheeks her last tears clung. The gentle hands which oft had stroked his brow clenched in their death-grasp Hector's bosom now. The lips which oft had sung in joyous mood bore the red imprint of his trickling blood. With groans of terror, anguish, pain, and grief, the clansmen gathered round their stricken chief, who gazed in silence on his daughter's course, while o'er her fell his tears of deep remorse. Warriors, he cried, behold my daughter, dead. No more around us will her light be shed. Heaven wars with me. Oh, that I had but felt the depth of love which in her bosom dwelt! Here let the lovers lie no more to part, in dust united, slumbering heart to heart. Neath Fingal's stone let them be gently laid to rest forever in its storied shade. In coming years the warriors of our race will stand uncovered o'er their resting place and breathe the tale of how MacDougall's maid loved unto death, and dying, love obeyed. The mighty stone untouched by time shall tell in voiceless whisperings, Here Hector fell. With folded arms, in stern and lowering mood, MacDougall's chieftain meditative stood. While trembling, weeping clansmen dug the grave for all he loved, and for her Hector brave. No song of woe burst from the anguished crowd when both were laid within their earthly shroud. The reddened sods they laid with care above, and all was hid from eyes of grief and love. The chief in dreamy silence strode away unto unutterable woe a prey. Revenge and hate had from his bosom fled. He longed for love, but all of love was dead. No joy or peace within his halls remained. To hell's unrest he felt forever chained while conscience with red-burning beak and claws consumed the heart which broke its maker's laws e'en coming foes led on by scotland's king stirred not his soul nor could war's pleasure bring his sword was sheathed his path was toward the tomb and brander's battle pealed donnelly's doom end of poem this recording is in the public domain